The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, thank you for tuning in. My name is Joshua Sasso. And you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. What we're going to be talking about today is how you can be transformed by the Spirit of God when you allow Him to move in your life. You see, this means that the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you speak, it will look different because you've been transformed by the Spirit of God. And even now, you will be changed if you let God move in your life. And this is something that all believers, everyone, should be experiencing in their own lives. It shouldn't just be a select group of people. Everyone should be having encounters with the Spirit of God. So it's all very exciting. But before I continue, I want to remind you all that here in San Antonio, Texas, at Freedom Fellowship Church International, we are holding the Prophetic Gathering of the Saints on December 31st, starting at 7 p.m. This is a conference we hold every year to usher in the new year. And the theme for this year is the love of God and the power of God. And so that's really exciting. I want to encourage all of you, this is an event that you do not want to miss. If you want to attend, I encourage you to go to our website, SOGMI.org, hit the events tab, and register online today. It's going to be held at 8419 Callahan Road here in San Antonio, Texas. And the registration fee is $30 a person, and we're dressing up for Jesus. It is a uh, black tie event, so make sure to wear your best attire as we celebrate the love of God and the power of God. So, as I was saying, when you let the Spirit of God move in your life, you will be transformed into a completely new person. This means even the way you think, even the way you speak, even the way you act will be different than the way it was before. So much so that people who knew you in the past or people who even know you now might wonder, is this really the same person that I knew growing up? Something that Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So something that's a part of the Christian walk is that your mind, everything about it, gets transformed into something new. And that's something that's really exciting. Something that happens in Isaiah chapter 6 is that it says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, and according to a lot of biblical scholars, They believed that King Uzziah was the cousin of Isaiah. And so he was mourning the death of his cousin. But it says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a high and exalted throne. The edges of his robe filled the temple. Winged creatures were stationed all around him. Each had six wings. With two they veiled their faces. With two their feet... And with two they flew about, and they shouted to each other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heavenly forces. All the earth is filled with God's glory. So this is a really 
astounding kind of thing that Isaiah is seeing. He's just so awe-inspiring. He's seeing the glory of God, and he's seeing how awesome God is. And this is the kind of encounter that you can't walk away from it unchanged. When you really experience God's presence, when he really moves in your life, you can't help but be transformed by it. And all Christians should be experiencing the presence of God. So we know how the story goes. You know, Isaiah's like, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy. I can't be in here. My lips are unclean. I'm a sinner. You know, and they take a coal and they touch it to his lips and says, there, I've made your mouth and your lips clean. And then God asks from the throne room, and this is in verse 8. He said, Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And here Isaiah is saying, I'm here. Send me. Pick me, God. I'll do it. I'll go for you. Right? And when you're in the presence of God, you can't help but want to do everything you can to serve him and honor him. That's just, that's what happens. When you really experience his love and when you really experience his goodness, you can't help but be transformed and changed. So here, Isaiah was in a state of mourning. And now, when he experienced the presence of God, he was eager to go out and serve the Lord. Yes, send me, Lord. I'll do it. I'll go. The same thing will happen to you when you get into the presence of God. But the Spirit of God doesn't just transform, you know, the way you think or maybe your attitude. Even the way that you carry yourself and even your talents and abilities will be changed to meet the calling that God has for you. You see, in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10, what happened was that Saul was just trying to find some animals that his father had lost, and they couldn't find them. So they go to the prophet Samuel, you know, just to ask him, hey, do you know, does, does God know where our animals are? Could you tell us where to find these animals? And instead... Samuel prophesied over him and said, you are going to be king over Israel and Judah. (laughs) And it's kind of funny how that happens because here he comes to the prophet. He's going to ask God, God, what do I do in this situation? And Saul is just looking for an answer to this simple problem. He's trying to find his dad's animals and God turned it around. Saul went to God for a simple answer and God turned it around with something much bigger and much greater. You're now going to be king over Israel and Judah. And those animals you were looking for, they've already been found. Many times this is what it's like when we go to God. We'll go to God and say, Lord, we don't know what to do. What do I do in this situation? And God will turn it around and give you something far more blessed, far more glorious, and that issue you were concerned about in the first place was already taken care of. Right? Because we serve an awesome and loving God. And so we should make it a habit, and this is just kind of a side, when you have an issue, Don't spend your time searching here, searching there. Instead, just go straight to God. God, what do I do in this situation? And he will always elevate things to a higher and higher level. So Samuel speaks over Saul and he says, you're now going to be king over Israel and Judah. And these are the signs that are going to happen. So it says in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. His heart was changed by the Spirit of God. Verse 10, When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him 
saw him prophesying with the other prophets. They asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? A man who lived there answered, And who is their father? So it became a saying, Is Saul among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. And this was following Samuel's instructions. But look at this. Saul had never prophesied or operated in the spirit of prophecy before that day. But what happened? The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he began to operate in the gift of prophecy. Saul was transformed by the Spirit of God. And this is something that will happen to all of us who are called from the Lord. Because God, when he calls us, does not call us to a task that is within our abilities and is within our knowledge. Right? When, when, when God called Moses, Moses protested. And he said, look, God, I don't even know how to speak. And, you know, God kind of calmed Moses down. He's like, fine, okay, your brother Aaron, he can speak on your behalf. But if you read the scriptures, Aaron didn't do a lot of speaking on behalf of Moses. When it came time to address the Pharaoh, Moses is the one who said, let my people go, right? When it came time to speak before the entire assembly of Israel, it was Moses who had to speak, even though he was a stutterer, even though he struggled to talk, right? Moses got transformed, but at the time, he clearly thought, well, I'm not qualified for this. In the same way, God put him in an impossible situation. They had, you know, mountains on one side, the sea behind them, and the Egyptians coming on the only path out, and God put Moses in this situation where he had to rely on God, and God parted the Red Seas, right? So when God calls you, you're not necessarily going to be qualified for the task in the natural but the Spirit of God will equip you if you obey God in faith. So here the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he began prophesying even though he never had prophesied before. But the story continues because in in ancient Israel, they had this kind of ceremony where they would cast lots to make decisions. It's, you know, something akin to either drawing straws or rolling dice. There was a random element to it, okay? So Samuel told Saul, he said, you're going to be king over Israel and Judah. And so what happens is that Samuel brings together all the tribes of Israel, and they begin to cast lots. First, they cast lots to decide what tribe the king would be from, right? So they had all the 12 tribes, they cast the lots, and it landed on Saul's tribe. Then they gathered all the families from that tribe, and then they cast lots on each family, and it landed on Saul's family, right? And his father was Kish. Then they cast lots on each of the sons of that family, and it landed on Saul. So what happens is that, all right, well, the lots fell on Saul. So where's Saul supposed to be our new king? And when they find him, they say, oh, he's hiding. He's hiding among the baggage because he doesn't want to be found. So here, Saul, he didn't want to be king. He was hiding and hoping maybe if I hide here, maybe if I cover my eyes and close my ears, you know, maybe they'll ignore me and not pick me. Right? So he didn't necessarily come across as somebody that was a charismatic, bold, and confident leader. Right? Even though God said, you're king over Israel, it's, he still wasn't feeling like a king in his heart. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes this happens with God, where God will prophesy to you and he'll say, you're a great and mighty and powerful leader, and you don't necessarily feel it. Okay, so Saul wasn't feeling it so much so that he was hiding in the baggage. So they pull him out from his hiding place, and then Samuel says, Here is the new king. 
And rightfully so, there were some grumbling people, and they were thinking, is this guy really going to be our king? And you know, I can kind of empathize with him, because here, this guy is supposed to be leading us into battle, and he's cowering away and hiding amongst the baggage. It's like, is this really a guy that I want to follow into battle, that I want to serve? I don't know about that. So there were some murmurers and some grumblers, okay? But we see in this story how God changes Saul's heart and fashions him into the heart and mind of a leader and a king. So what happens is that in the next chapter, there's these um, bad guys that begin to assemble, okay? The Ammonites and their leader come and they attack the city of Jabesh. Okay, so they surround Jabesh and they're going to attack Jabesh and start killing a lot of people and stealing a lot of stuff. So Jabesh sends a messenger out and they're saying, hey, we don't want to go to war with you, okay? Can we have some kind of peace treaty so we don't have to fight? And so what happens is the leader of the Ammonites says, okay, sure, I'll make a treaty of you, but only if we get to come in and gouge out the right eye of every person in the city of Jabesh. Ugh, that's kind of harsh and pretty brutal, right? You know, really nice guy there. Um, not a really good deal on behalf of, you know, the city of Jabesh, right? So rightfully, they're scared because they don't want to lose their right eyes, right? <laughs> So they send out message. They're like, okay, uh, you know, let us send messages out. And if nobody comes to help us, then we'll let you gouge out our right eyes. And so they send a message to the other cities because rightfully they're scared and they don't want to lose their eyeballs. Okay. So what happens is that Saul catches word of this. So it says in 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 6 through 11, when Saul heard these words, the spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he burned with anger. Once again, notice, the Spirit of God was working in Saul. He took a pair of oxen, cut them into pieces, and sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel, proclaiming, This is what will be done to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. Then the terror of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out together as one. When Saul mustered them at Bezak, the men of Israel numbered 300,000 and those of Judah, 30,000. Now notice this. This is the same man, when they named him as king, he was hiding. He didn't want to be called. And now the Spirit of God came upon him, and he was able to muster together an army of 330,000 people. When before people were kind of murmuring, and they're like, oh, this guy isn't cut out for a leader. No, this guy isn't cut out to be the king. I don't know about this, right? And now God transformed him into a charismatic, confident, and commanding leader. But not only that, we see in the story, Saul begins to think like a strategist. In verse 11, it says, the next day Saul separated his men into three divisions, right? So he decided, okay, this is division one, this is division two, you're going to come from this side, you're going to come. He began strategizing like a general, the same person who not long ago was hiding amongst the baggage, okay? So the Spirit of God transformed Saul from basically somebody who is timid and shy and cowardly into a commanding presence, a general, strategist, and somebody with the mindset of a king. Okay? This is how God can equip you and empower you to step into the position that he called you into. Just like in the time of Moses when they were building the tabernacle, God gave Moses the vision, and then he said, you're going to put Bezalel and Aholiab over the building project, because I've imbued with them gifts concerning building, concerning sculpting, 
concerning all kinds of arts, all kinds of building, I have empowered them and enabled them with these gifts so that they can build the tabernacle according to the specifications that I've given you. The Holy Spirit of God can empower you, right? So maybe you feel kind of shy. Maybe you think you, it's too big for you. Continue obeying God and God will enable you to do it. But remember, it isn't, you know, you still got to walk in faith. You're still going to have to walk in faith. Saul still had to act in faith that when he sent this message out to these tribes, people were going to show up. And you got to put yourself in Saul's position. Previously, people were discounting you. And they were thinking, you're not cut out for this. Oh, Saul's no good. He's not a good king. Whatever. Okay. You have to put yourself in his position. You know, if you put yourself in his position, you might think, oh my gosh, what if I send this message out to the 12 tribes of Israel and nobody shows up, right? What, what happens, right? Oh, I send a message. Everyone come help me fight on behalf of the city of Jabesh and we're going to save them from the Ammonites. And what if nobody shows up? <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Your anxiety builds up. Oh no, what if people don't show up? I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to look like a loser, right? But Saul didn't concern himself with that. The Spirit of God came upon him and he was filled with such righteous anger that he acted. And he acted with confidence and authority. Okay, so he was transformed. Your experiences with God should be regularly transforming you. You should not look like the same person that you did a year ago when you were born again or even recently. You should be continually transformed. And this happens when you walk with God. Sometimes God will reveal to you maybe patterns in your thinking that aren't aligning with his perfect will. Maybe God will reveal to you habits that don't align with his perfect will. Because truthfully, and this is something that all Christians have to understand, which is that you will never arrive at a place where you 100% completely understand everything about the nature of God. You will never arrive at that place. There is always more to discover. There's always more to experience and more to see because God is unending. He is limitless and infinite. This is especially important for those of us that are called to leaders. And I know I'm talking to leaders right now. You should be receiving new revelation that completely transforms the way you think and the way that those people you're training think. Many ministries are still writing on the revelations of a year ago, some of them even 15 years ago or 30 years ago, where they got this big new revelation and it was world-changing and they have not discovered anything new. In fact, many of them, they've built traditions and doctrines around these revelations and they've created this box and prevented the Holy Spirit from moving further, right? So what that means is that in their mind, and if you've done this in your own life, means in your mind, you've decided, yep, I've arrived. There's nothing more to learn about God. There's nothing else that needs to challenge my assumptions, challenge my habits, challenge my ways of thinking. I've arrived. And you have to understand how arrogant and prideful that is. God is infinite and unending. And the word of God is so rich and so deep, you can read the same scripture a hundred times and still come back with something new. And if you have not been receiving new revelations, it means you have not been making room for the Holy Spirit to transform you. You are too stuck in your habits and your ways of thinking, and you don't want to let God change your life. There are many areas where even me in my daily walk, I am discovering new aspects of God's goodness, his love, his ways of doing things. 
there's all new things to discover. So the doctrines that you've been living by, they're not complete. And they never will be. That's why we have all eternity to discover God. So if you want to be used by God, you have to have the humility to let God transform the way you live your life. Your mind needs to be renewed. And what Christians have to understand is that that doesn't end with your salvation, right? Because when you get saved, it's a big transforming moment, right? Before you didn't know anything about God, before you didn't know anything, you were living in sin and now you're not. You're pulled out of it. But that journey is just the beginning. Even leaders, even pastors that have been in the ministry for 50 plus years, if you're walking with God, you should still be getting new revelation. You should still be getting transformed. And so I really want to issue a challenge to all of you. You really need to be honest in your own life. Have you been living your life stuck in the same ways of thinking, stuck in the same habits with the same kind of actions? Have you actually made room for God to bring the new, to transform you? You have to make room for God in your life to do these things. Just like Saul was transformed from a nobody into a king, you look at somebody like Noah. God appeared to Noah and he said, I want you to build an ark. It's going to be this wide by this tall and every animal is going to be in it. And Noah comes back and he's thinking, well, what's an ark? I've never seen one of those before, right? So God had to transform Noah into an architect, an engineer, carpenter, zoologist, animal expert, right? There was all these things that Noah had to walk out in faith concerning. God will equip you to do the things that he's called you to do. But even in our doctrines, we don't understand the depths and heights of God. There is always more to understand. You see, when, when Jesus spoke to the apostles and he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power, they might, not, they might have had an idea of what that might look like. Oh, yeah, okay, power. We're going to be endued with power. I'm not sure what that means. Sure. But they had no concept that it would be the Spirit of God himself dwelling within them. And they began speaking in other tongues. This was something that had never happened in the history of mankind, right? And once they got their handle on that, oh, we can speak in other tongues, we can lay hands on the sick, the Spirit of God's in us. Once that happened, God came in with a new revelation. It's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. And this was such an earth-shattering doctrine that Peter was trying to argue with God, right? God showed him this vision of all these unclean animals, and God's saying, here, come and eat these animals. And Peter said, no, I've been living according to the law that you outlined, God. Right? I'm not going to do it. And then Paul, uh, God said to uh, Peter, he said, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. And that day, the Spirit of God came upon the entire house of a Gentile. And Peter said to himself, I now realize that God does not show favoritism. This means that there was something that changed in Peter's mindset. Before he was thinking, oh yeah, the Jews are special, the Jews are favored, they're God's special class of people that's above everyone else. And then Peter realized in that moment, no, God is for everyone and he loves everyone. See, encountering God, it challenges you sometimes. Maybe you've been speaking a certain way your entire life and then you realize, no, this isn't according to God's perfect will. Maybe you have a habit or a way of thinking that you've had your entire life or for decades and then you realize no, I can still become more like God. It's an unending journey, guys. And that's why we have all eternity to discover God. Those of you that are called to leadership, 
The expectation that God has for you is that he will give you new revelations that explode in your spirit that you can share to others. You should be having those kinds of encounters on a regular basis. And truthfully, all believers should be getting transformed by the Spirit of God, but you have to make room to allow God to work in your life. You have to let Him make the change. So if you're willing, I encourage you, begin seeking God out now, begin acting in faith, because if you do that, you will be transformed. Amen. Well, I'm out of time for this week. I hope you guys were touched and blessed by this message. I want to remind you, don't forget to go to our website to register for the Prophetic Gathering of the Saints this December 31st. It's a really exciting event, and you don't want to miss it. So I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Again, my name is Joshua Sasso, and you've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I.org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this podcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to SOGMI.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P.O. Box 1579, Helotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is P.O. Box 1579, Helotus, Texas 78023.